We're going to get right into a brand new series that I'm beginning today. Actually, I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm really excited about where we're going for these next few weeks. I'm going to be pulling some information from Brooklyn Tab and Life Church and different ones that I connect with all the time. They're going to be speaking to me, and I'll speak a little bit of that to you. But uh, anyhow, we got a brand new series, and we're calling this series Uncertain. Uncertain. We're going to discuss four different ver- uh, versions of God which do not exist. Did you hear that? We're going, to, we're going to discuss four different versions of God which does not, do not exist, excuse me, uh, because they are fabrications that people often want to believe about the nature of God. People fabricate these thoughts as to who God is. So in this four-week series, we're going to look at some barriers that keep people from believing in God and, and cause them to, to begin to doubt and, and, and believe in God themselves because it really is difficult. It really is difficult to believe in a God that you can't see. It really is difficult to uh, have things going on in our life. We begin to wonder, why, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Or, or why God allows suffering that's taking place? And why we can't, why we can't um, see him and hear from him and, and follow him when he's leading us? We just, it's just a thing we're doing by faith. And sometimes this gets really frustrating. And the truth of the matter is, God may not meet all of your expectations. No, let me change that. In fact, God will not meet all of your expectations. This is just the way it is. I'll explain more as we go along. Uh, I'll, I'll explain that a little bit more. And, and all of that uh, may rock your world. As you hear these kinds of things, as we talk about these things over these next four weeks, this, this may, may rock our world and we will begin to doubt big time about some of the things of God. So we're going to unpack a few different ways of thinking about God that prevent people from believing there are reasons why people are not believing. And we're going to talk about some of them, why, why, why people are not believing, and look at the truth as it really is. So this four-week message series that we're going to be dealing with is for both the believer and the unbeliever alike. Now listen, Word of Life is a fairly large church, and I want you to know, um, uh, with the people who attend Word of Life, there are a lot of, uh, of uh, people who have been longtime believers. They've known God for many, many years. There's also others of us who have not known God all that long, in a very personal, intimate way. And then, of course, there are those who attend Word of Life who don't even believe yet. I mean, they may have some faith and some belief, but you know, when it comes right down to it, they really don't believe in God yet. But what we all have in con- common, regardless of where we may be on that spectrum, we all have doubts. We all have doubts. I have doubts, you have doubts, doubts, we all have doubts. No matter how long we have been serving God. And the good news is, is that God isn't mad at us because we doubt him. He doesn't get offended by this. He's not upset. He understands. He's moved by our weaknesses, the Bible says. And it says here in Psalm 94, verse 19, by the way, if, you don't, if you're not using your version, you can follow along with all that's going to be projected on the screen behind me so you can stay with us. In Psalm 94, verse 19, New Living Translation, I love this. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me, uh, gave me renewed hope and cheer is what the Bible tells us. So God isn't offended. God's not mad at you and I because sometimes we doubt him and sometimes we really go through the fires with that. God's not upset about that. And I will say to you that in recent years, a lot of people have come my way and have said things like this. You know what, Pastor, I don't believe in God. I just want you to know, I don't believe in God. I'll see somebody at the gym, wherever I may be. You know, I just don't really believe in God. And again, guys, if I could just say this to you, uh, again, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, Our world is crazy bad right now. It's crazy bad. 
It's very confusing how bad this world can be. Just a week ago, Easter Sunday service in Sri Lanka, we find 200 and 207 people lost their lives. 207 Christians lost their lives as they were attacked with, with craziness that takes place in our world. It's understandable why people end up having questions and, and fears and are discouraged and don't know, don't know what to think. And at the same time, at the same time, I'm seeing more and more people who, have, uh, who want to believe, but there's something keeping that from them. There's something keeping them from really believing in God. I mean, even, I'm talking about those who grew up in the church as well. I'm talking about the kids who went to Sunday school years ago, about the kids uh, being involved with their ministry, about people who have grown up believing in God. Something happened to them. Something happened, and they had a crisis that rocked their world. And they may say, I want to believe in God, but, I want to believe in God, but I can't. I can't, and I'm sure that some of you that are here today, you, you fit in that category. This is key, and can I say this to you ever so gently as I can possibly say this? I would argue that there's so many people who live in that zone that I just talked about, listen, they are not rejecting the one true God, the God of the Holy Scriptures. Instead, I believe that they are rejecting what I call a distorted view of God. They are rejecting a distorted view of God. They're rejecting a distorted view of uh, who, who they wrongly think that God is. So as we dig into this together today and the next three Sundays with this series called Uncertain, we want you to know that you belong right here at Word of Life as we're going through this because we're all in this together. We're all dealing with things that we don't understand about God. We become confused. We lose our faith. We have all of that. We're in this thing together and we want to do this with you. We want to work through all of this together with all the questions, with all the doubts that you and I may have about God, even as a follower, even as a follower. I want us to do that together. And it's okay with us if you end up saying things like this every now and then. I want to believe in God, but whatever the rest of that statement would be, it's okay. It's okay. But before I get into the theme of the message, before I start digging any deeper, uh, I want to have a little fun with you today at church. It's okay, by the way, to have fun at church, in case you didn't know that. Uh, but I want to have a little bit of fun. Just so you know, we have a number of millennials here at, at Word of Life Church, and of course, I want a whole lot more. I love the millennials. We want to have, come on, somebody give me an amen. We want a lot more millennials to be here with us. Um, we do. And they're really good with games. So I'm going to play a little game, and they're really good with games, but we're not going to let you play with us. You can't play today. The millennials can't play. Um, uh, they can't play. But because we're really who I want to talk to are the Gen Xers as well as the baby boomers. And uh, I, I want to bring up some old TV shows that maybe you remember. I want to talk about that just for a couple of moments. And uh, we're, we're, going to, we're going to dig a little bit deeper. deeper. And uh, for those of you who, are, who love Snapchat, sorry, but uh, you're going to have no idea what we're talking about here in these next few moments as we go over some of these shows that went back 20, 30 years ago. Okay, so you may not understand. Just hang with me. You'll be okay, and we'll be back to you in just a, a few moments ago. 
So years ago, years ago when they were putting all these movies together and these shows together, uh, often what they did is that they did them, uh, you know, go back on back. You know, in other words, they, they would uh, back each other with a couple of shows that sort of were similar. Let me explain it to you like this. How many of you remember The Love Boat and Fantasy Island? Come on, hold up your hand. The plane, the plane, the plane. That guy drove me nuts. But anyhow... The plane. Uh, how about Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley? How many remember the Fonz? You know, something like that. Uh, how about this? Um, no two shows that went better together than The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. Come on. How many remember? Do you remember that? Lee Majors and Lindsay Lagner. And of course, gentlemen, boys, guys. Listen, it wouldn't be boys. It would be, we were boys back then. But uh, how about Charlie's Angels? How many remember? Ooh la la. We all remember that one. Now, some of our millennials may not believe what I'm going to say, but millennials, this is 100% true, just so you know. If you were going to watch Mork and Mindy, how many remember Mark and, Mork and Mindy? Uh, if you were going to watch Mork and Mindy, you actually had to sit in front of the television at the exact time that that movie would come on. I know that that's crazy talk, but that's the way it used to be. So, if the show came on Friday at 7 p.m., it meant you had to be there Friday at 7 p.m. or else it was gone. You could never watch it. It would never come up. It would, you would never see it again. And, and you actually had to watch all the commercials as well. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. Now, some say that we live in what some are calling the on-demand generation. That's what they're saying nowadays. We're living in the on-demand generation. Just about everything is on-demand these days here in the United States of America as well as many other countries around our world. And I believe with all, young and old alike, that there are many people who also want an on-demand God. Who also want an on-demand God. And that's one of the things that we're uncovering today. There are those who want an on-demand God. God, in other words, something like this, pastor, pastor, I prayed about that situation you told me to pray about, and I just want to let you know, God never answered my prayer. He never responded at all. And just so you know, I'm done. I'm out of here. If I'm going to pray and he's not going to respond to me, I want nothing to do with that. You see, an on-demand God is great until an on-demand God doesn't do what you asked him to do on demand. Let me say it again. An on-demand God is great until on-demand God doesn't do what you asked him to do on demand. On demand. Maybe this is your story. Maybe this is your story. A few years back, you prayed and even begged God. You begged God to save your parents' marriage. And you really believed that he was able, and you really believed that he would do that, but God never showed up. It didn't happen. The marriage ended. Mom and dad went their own separate ways. Or maybe your story would be something like this. Your husband and you have been trying to have a baby for years now. And everywhere you go, including church, everywhere you go, you see all of these pregnant mothers everywhere. You both have prayed. You both have asked God for this miracle. And God, we know you can do this. But nothing. Still no pregnancy. Still no baby that is coming our way. God, why aren't you in all of this? So often when God doesn't do what we think that he should do or know that he could do, it's right there that a lot of people, a lot of people begin to get frustrated with God and they begin to decide things. 
They begin to decide things. They would say something like this, God must either, God must either not be real, isn't powerful, isn't good, or he doesn't care. I mean, these kinds of thoughts begin to come from our mind as we're expecting things, as we're trying to make our on-demand God to show up every moment, every time we want him, and he doesn't show up, it causes us to have some questions. Where is my on-demand God? Where is my on-demand God? I'm here to tell you, an on-demand God does not exist. An on-demand God does not exist. Listen, what we have to do is that we, we have to make sure that we understand where we fit in the whole narrative, the bigger picture, the grand story of God, of creation, of the church, and of eternity. Because he is a big God with big plans for your one and only life. And you need to understand where you fit in. How do you become a part of knowing God in such a way that you will be confident that he is leading your life. I'm gonna make it really, really simple for you today. And let me say it like this. God doesn't exist to serve us, but we exist to serve God. You've gotta let that sink in. God doesn't exist to serve us, but we exist to serve him. God doesn't exist to do whatever we want whenever we want him to do it. And all of this is just fundamental, but it's absolutely, it's a must that we need to hear. He may answer our prayers, and let me just say this, very often he does. And let me go a little bit deeper. In my opinion, every single time we pray, he answers our prayer. And I know we always want the yes, and he's not gonna always give us the yes. It's not gonna be a yes every time. Sometimes it's gonna be a no. But God's highest calling is not to do what we think that he should do because God does not exist to serve us. But we exist to serve God. That's what we're to do. God is not our cosmic genie in the sky. God is not our celestial sugar daddy to give us whatever we want. Listen, it's okay for you and I to doubt God. It really is. And you can attend here at Word of Life if you're a doubter. We're not gonna mock you. We're not gonna make fun of you because we all go through that. We all deal with this time and time again. It's going to be okay. We want you to be a part of us here, and we're thrilled that you would be coming. But all of us, all of us need to know that God is the creator, and we're the created. We need to be reminded that God is the potter, and we are the clay. And it is God who is shaping us and forming our lives individually with our own DNA. You see, Jesus is Lord. He is our Lord. He is the Lord of all. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is Lord. And we are his servants. We get to serve him. Say thank God. Thank God. We need to understand that no such thing, there is no such thing as an on-demand God. He doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. So what I want to do this morning, I, I want to go with three different qualities of the heart of God. I want to help you because you may be sitting there thinking, well, if he's not an on-demand God, then who is he? How do I approach him? Who is, who is this God? Go with me to uh, point number one of this. God's heart is always loving. God's heart is always loving. Say that with me, would you? God's heart is always loving. Um, for those of you who are parents, 
Um, I, I want you to know, let me tell you two things that I know about you as a parent. I, I know these two things. Probably a whole lot more that you and I would agree on, but I know these two things for sure. And that is, there's never a time with you being a mother and you being a father, there is never a time when you don't love your children. There's never a time. There's never a time when you don't love your children. Oh, I, I get it. There are those times when you don't like them. There are those times when you want to trade them in for other people's kids who are much better than your kids at the time. There are even times, especially if you're a dad, that you want to knock them into the middle of next week. But you won't do that because you're too good of a father to do that and you're scared to death of your wife that she will knock you into next week if you do something like that to her kids. But you always love them. You always love them. You never stop loving your kids. Even if their life gets cut short, you always love them even if they're in heaven right now. You'll never stop loving them. Take it from me. It's a reality. The second thing I know about you is that there are times when you do not do. You do not do what your kids want you to do. There's, there's always those times. Even though we, we have the power to do it, right? I mean, we've got the power to do whatever they would ask us to do, but we don't always do that. So maybe something like this, hey, 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 don't forget your lunch. Don't forget your lunch. Don't forget your lunch. They go, they leave. The third time telling them, three days in a row, don't forget your lunch. They make a phone call from the school and they say, hey, dad, mom, would you, would you bring me my lunch? <laughs> would you bring me my lunch? No. No, sorry, no lunch is coming to you today. Not because I want to punish you, because I'm not interested in punishing you for this. It's because I love you. And it's because I love you desperately. You need to learn something here. You need to do that. Or how about this? You know what? It's 7.30. It's time to do your homework. Come on, get the homework done. It's 7.45. Come on, do the homework. Finally at 10.30. At 10.30, she or he gets in touch with you and say, hey, mom, dad, would you help me with my homework because I'm just not getting it. I don't understand it. It's not working. <laughs> yeah, I was more than willing to begin at 7.30 with you. I was more than willing to be with you, but it's 10.30 and I'm going to bed. Sorry, bud, you're on your own. And it's not because, it's not because I don't have the power to help you with that. It's not because I don't love you, because I actually do. In fact, I love you so much. I'm, 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 what I'm trying to do with you is to show you how to live your life, that you need to do things on your own. And I am not going to always do exactly what you want me to do. Something needs to develop within you as my son and with you as my daughter. Listen, you always love them. You always love your kids. You will always, always have that in you. Even those of you who are right now having a real hard time with your dad or a real hard time with your mom, there's something in us, in the genetics that God has put within humankind. There's something there. But you don't always do what they want you to do. We need to understand that when God doesn't do exactly what we want him to do, even though, even though we know that he can, and we believe that he should. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love us when he doesn't do those things. It doesn't mean that at all. He's loving. He's always loving. He's always has his, uh, our best in order for our lives. 
That's how God is. In fact, it tells us this basically in the book of of, uh, Romans chapter 8. Go with me there. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 35. This is, Romans chapter 8 is one of the greatest chapters in all the Bible. That's one of the scriptures that you should be reading all the time, whether you're a new believer or an old time believer. Revelate, uh, uh, Romans chapter 8 is a great, great verse. And it says these words in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, Paul, as he's talking about this, he's being very, very reasonable with this. You're thinking that God doesn't love you? You're thinking that because this didn't happen for you and you wanted it to happen your way and it didn't come out that way, that God doesn't love you? What's going, what, what, he says, who shall separate you and I from the love of God? There's nothing out there that can. And then he answers his own question. Uh, let me give you some more illustrations because I know some of us are going through these things. He, he uses, he uses uh, uh, trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, and danger of sword. Uh, w- w- what about those of us who are facing financial trouble? Those of us who are now still unemployed, no job has come our way, who's dealing with cancer or, or depression or whose marriage is falling apart or f- are filled with fear and doubt. None of that, none of that is going to separate our love from God. And in fact, in verse 37 of that same chapter, it says, no, in all things, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us, is what the Bible tells us. We are more than conquerors Uh, through all that God has in store for us with his power and his might. Through him who loves us, the Bible says. And as far as I'm concerned, the next verse just sort of sums that whole thought up. And he says in verses 38 and 39, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, nor present or the future, nor any powers, nor height or death, or anything, anything in all creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And what the apostle is telling us is that God's heart is always, always loving. God's heart is always loving. No matter what you're going through right now, he loves you. No matter if you doubt him or not, he loves you. His heart is always loving. And God proved that when he sent his son Jesus into this world to rescue every one of us. I don't know about you, but your prayer time better always be saying to God, thank you. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you that my life has been changed by you, oh God. There's an old hymn, I wonder how many remember it, Love Rescued Me. Anybody remember that old hymn? It's an old hymn, Love Rescued Me. It's a true statement as well. God's heart is always loving. There will never be a time that he doesn't love you. Point number two, God's ways are always higher than our ways. God's ways are always higher. Let me share this with you as a pastor so you would understand where I would come from and most pastors would come from. There are different times when people will come up to us as a pastor and they have just faced the greatest struggle, the greatest tragedy of their lives. And they say something like this, Pastor, why? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? And to be completely transparent and honest with you, um, when I don't have an answer, when I don't know really what took place, I will never, I will never just have something come off my lips to give them an answer. I can't do that. I can't give them an an explanation to what I have no idea as to why this thing happened in their life. It would be wrong of me to try to do that. It would be even dangerous of me to try to explain this is what God was thinking when it did that because I don't know a thing about that. They would ask questions like, why? Why was my baby born with all of of these disabilities? I don't know. I, I don't know. 
Why? Why Why a great young person was struck down in the prime of life? Why would that happen to him? Why would that happen to her? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Why? Why were there two young brothers among the nine that were killed in the hurricanes in Alabama just a couple of months ago? Why did God allow that to happen? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to get a way out. It's the fact. It's the truth. I wouldn't and I couldn't begin to try to answer those kinds of questions. But what I do do and what I will do is that I will find scriptures that I hold on to that keeps me steady in life, that I want it to keep you steady in life. And I'm going to give you one that I have been following after for just about from the very first time I began to get into the Bible as a young Christian. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. I use these verses, this verse often, these verses often in my preaching and all this stuff, and I'm using it again today, needless to say. Isaiah 58, verses 8 and 9. This is an incredible, incredible word. God's ways are always higher. And he says these words, Isaiah is speaking these words, using, God is using Isaiah to say these words for him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I end up getting peace, reminding myself that God is wiser than I am. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm being honest with you. I I, I get a peace that comes over me. When my son died, I, I, I had to deal with this. I had to deal with this in a way. And in the midst of all of that, knowing two sons are being left behind, all of the brokenness of that, that whole story, um, I, I had to decide that, God, you got this under control. That, God, in some way or another, you have a thought that's greater and higher than mine. That God is already into tomorrow. Time doesn't hold God back. He is a sovereign, good God, working in all things, working in all things to bring about good. That's the way God works, working, working, um, working in all things to bring about good. His power, his knowledge goes well beyond the limited understanding that this finite man that I, mind that I have, way beyond that. God is, is infinite and glorious in all of his ways. We have to understand how great and glorious our God truly is. And I don't have to understand everything. I don't have to understand everything in order to trust God's heart to trust God's nature. I don't have to understand to trust his character or his goodness because I know this, God's ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher and different than my thoughts and I have to choose to believe him. And I can, if I can just say this to you, after nearly 48 years of following Jesus, almost there at 48 years, but often in nearly the 48 years of following Jesus, I'm here to tell you that you will recognize even when you don't understand it at the moment, even when it makes no sense right now what you're going through. And some of you are going through something. Some of you are dealing with something and you hate it, you hate it, you hate it. What you're dealing with, you, you are hating right now. And some of you may even be with a fist sort of toward God just saying, why are you allowing this? Why is this happening to me? What did I do? However that may be, I'm here to tell you, I promise you, if you continue to stay with God, if you continue to move forward with God, there will come a day and there will come a time that you're going to understand why these things have happened as they've happened. And that you will sit back and say, I'm at a better place now. I'm at a better place now because of the faithfulness of God. 
I want to share with you a, a private story that I've never shared publicly on a Sunday, uh, at a, on a sermon. Done it other ways, but never this way. And so I want to share with you, this is my aha moment. This is my, this is my epiphany that I have with God. I've had many of them. God has done wonderful things in my life, and this is one of my aha moments. I was 37 years old when my dad died. 37. In the summer of 1991, while I was at West Point, Marianne and I and my family, we were at West Point, our church ended up buying a parsonage or bought a home for the pastor and his wife. And I asked my dad, I contacted my dad and asked him if he would come down to West Point and help us. They, my, my family went back and forth to West Point a lot. We, we were well connected. And so I called my dad and asked if he would come down and help me to renovate and repair this house that we just bought because it needed a lot of work. And he said, of course I would come. And the reason why he said, of course I would come is because I'm the favorite of the whole family. But anyhow, um, he's also, the, where's Mike? Because I don't think he's agreeing with me, right? Yeah, there he is. Um, all right, maybe Mike was second. I don't think so, but maybe. Um, but anyhow, uh, I, I did that with my dad because our dad was a jack of all trades. He could, he could do anything and everything. To the best of my memory, my dad never missed a day of work at Crucible Steel for I think it was 48 years that he worked there. He had never been hospitalized in his life. Again, he was the jack of all trades. He could do everything and anything. And while we were working on the house, while we were working together, he kept on grabbing his side. Ooh, man, man, that hurts. Man, that hurts. And he kept on doing that. And I said, Dad, what's going on? You know, again, I've never seen my dad sick. I've never seen him in pain. He's never winced in pain that I remember anyhow. And uh, he kept doing it. And I said, Dad, you, you've got, when you go home, you've got to get that check, man. I don't like that. So he does that. He goes and gets it checked. Long story short, my father had bone cancer. And that was the pain. He was dealing with tremendous pain. That metastasized into lung cancer, that metastasized into liver cancer. And he was going downhill fast. Dad was in a lot of pain, suffered a lot. I'd come home, walk into the house. He wasn't always in the hospital, but when I'd walk in the house, I could hear my father crying. It's one of the worst things you could ever hear. Is your father or your mother crying? The last couple of months before my dad died, he had some really difficult days. What I decided to do while I was at West Point, I would do a Sunday morning service, which was Highland Falls Assembly of God Church, and I would do a Sunday morning service, and as soon as I was done, I would jump in my S10 pickup truck, and I would go up to Syracuse, three and a half hour drive from driveway to driveway, three and a half hour drive, and I would get up there and spend a couple of days with my dad because I had a cadet Bible study on Tuesday nights that I was doing at West Point, and... Uh, and so I would make that trip back and forth. Sometimes Marianne would come with me. Most of the time she didn't because of the kids and school and all of that. Fast forward again some more. It ended up that in November, that in November, dad was failing rather quickly. And I had told my father from the very beginning of his cancer, I said these words to him. I said, dad, I want you to know I'm gonna pray every single day, multiple times a day for a miracle in your life because I believe God can do that. Do you believe it, dad? And he says, I do. And so we began to pray that. Dad began to fail really, really bad. In fact, at one point, they called the family in because his organs are all shutting down. They said that we need to get in here as soon as possible. So we did. It was, it was those moments of confusion and frustration, but ended up doing that, and my father was really bad. It was not responsive. Organs are shutting down. But we prayed. I prayed. Mike prayed. Jay prayed. All of the family prayed. Our wives prayed. We, we prayed for dad. Wouldn't leave his side. And believe it or not, within 24 hours, you don't have to believe this, but it's the truth. 
Within 24 hours, my father, my father was sitting up in bed eating a bowl of soup. He was eating a bowl of soup. He was eating a bowl of soup like he's starving to death, and there's no pun intended with that. He was, he was eating soup. And I remember getting down with dad as he's, I mean, he's, he's chowing down the soup like this. And, and I got up next to him and I said, dad, dad, do you, do you realize how bad you were? He went, yeah, sort of. And I said, well, were you afraid? He said, no, I wasn't afraid. And, I, and he's eating, he's eating the soup. I mean, he's so hungry, it's so good. And I, I said, I said, dad, did you see anything? And he said, I did. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Go forward now, I think about, 24, 48 hours after that meeting that I had um, on Thanksgiving Day of 1991 at about 10 p.m., my brother Mike, my brother Jay, and myself and our wives were at St. Joseph's Hospital with my father's final moments of life. He was three months into being 70 years old. And uh, as he was beginning to fail, there were four distinguished last breaths that my father took. I grabbed a hold of the Bible, Revelation chapter 21, and I began to read a few verses in there that talk about the transition that takes place from this life to the next. And he died. I really loved my dad. I loved him for 100,000 reasons. And he died. It rocked my world, to be honest with you. Now I'm down three and a half hours away from my family and we're all going through this and this really sucks. And I was really upset with the idea that I know, God, you could have healed him, but you chose not to. And that was part of the struggle that I was dealing with in those days. But then all of a sudden comes this verse again. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your, my ways, your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are Higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Go up to February now, the first weekend of February. I'm still at West Point and uh, I'm doing a cadet retreat. We're at a ski lodge and we're doing a retreat. The retreat went well and we're going back home. My daughter and I, she's 12 years old, listening to music as we're driving down Route 17 in my little S10 pickup truck. And uh, as we're driving down a road, um, a song came on that was familiar to us, we, a Christian song, we loved it. And I can take you to the spot, church. I can take you to the exact spot that I was on on Route 17 when I heard God say these words to me. I'm taking you from this place and I'm taking this place from you. When he said that, I, Michelle's looking out the window singing and, and I stopped and I turned and I looked at Michelle. I didn't know if she heard it. He said, I'm taking you from this place and I'm taking this place from you. I had a cadet that was at my church because I was doing a retreat. I, I, excuse me, I had a missionary that was at my, at my home, uh, Rocco Di Trollio. He was there because he was gonna preach for me on Sunday because I had just completed a retreat and Marianne's going to a cadet ball with a couple of cadets. So I get home and I want to immediately, I want to immediately go to my church, my little church. It's a teeny little, it's almost, it looks almost identical to the church, to our youth building across the street. And... Um, I wanted to get in there, and so Rocco was there, um, Marianne was there, I kissed Marianne, took pictures of her with the cadets, and, and uh, went over to Rocco, hugged him, and told him I gotta go to church and pray. He had no idea, nobody knew. And when I got there, I, I was gonna lay on the floor, but if I get on the floor, I probably can't get back up, so I'm not gonna do that. But I, I spread myself on the linoleum floor of that church, as wide as my arms would spread it, and I'm wailing before God. Why are you doing this? 
My dad just died. And now you're taking me from West Point. I, 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 we loved West Point. We had a blast. We had a blast. I couldn't figure it out. In fact, I didn't even tell Marianne what, the word, what the, that word was until Monday following that retreat that she, or that, that ball that she was on. And so I finally told her and Marianne and I agreed that this is God moving us. We don't like it, but we know he's moving us. And we had no idea where we were going. No idea at all. Fast forward now to, um, to April, the first weekend of April. When my dad was dying, the pastor of this church, the original founding pastor, Dan Rott, he, uh, he would be with my dad often. When I would get there from West Point, he would be there. And he loved my dad, and my dad loved him a lot. And it was a great relationship, and he was a great friend. And, uh, and so when I would come to the hospital to see dad, Dan Rott, the pastor, would ask me a question. If you were pastoring Baldwinsville Assembly of God, that's the name of the church at the time. If you were pastoring this church, what would you do with this? What would you do with that? I mean, it was crazy questions. And I'm sitting here dealing with my dad dying with cancer. And what would I do with this or that? Didn't make a whole lot of sense. But all of a sudden now, remember, I'm sitting here saying, why is this happening to me? And all of a sudden, my mind went back to the questions that Dan asked me, the pastor. And so I made an appointment to meet with him. And I did. And I walked into his office. And and I said to him, I said, Dan, I remember when dad was dying that you would ask me these questions. I have a question for you. Are you thinking about retiring? Is that, is that why you're asking me these questions? Are you thinking about retiring? He looked at me and he said, as a matter of fact, I am. And I want to know, would you inter- be interested in taking over the church when I go? And I looked at him and I said, no way. <laughs> I did. No. Number one, I said, Marianne's got to be a part of this decision. And number two, God's got to be the other part of this decision. So I told him, no way. But that that, that was a Friday, the following Sunday, the following Sunday night, that pastor resigned from church. And I got a phone call from Max Seiler, who was the head of the, the board at that time, and asked me if I would consider coming down to, to candidate to be the pastor of this church. And uh, I ended up, looked at Marianne, she shook her head yes, and I said, yes, we'll come. Now listen, that's a long story, but it's a good story. Because I can see crystal clear that God had a plan for Marianne and I I didn't understand it at the time. You're going through something right now. It doesn't make any sense to you. You're mad about it. In fact, you want to walk away from God because of this. And I'm here to tell you that God has a plan. And that plan of God wonderfully included my dad. The last days of his life. I got to be with him the last days of his life. I got to do his funeral. I mean, the last days in his sickness and final days on the planet. It included God sovereignly removing me from West Point and from Highland Falls Church that I planted. It included Marianne and my kids, all of us, coming now, coming back to Baldwinsville Assembly of God, not as a youth pastor, of which I was for eight years, but now I'm coming back as the lead pastor. And the neat thing about me becoming back, coming back to be the lead pastor is that when Dan Rott died in 2016 and I did his funeral while I was on my sabbatical, His son, Doug, who's a missionary to the Netherlands, Doug at the funeral came up to me and said to me, I want you to know, Randy, that God, uh, that God, that Dan, my dad, my dad knew that you were supposed to be the next pastor of the church. And he told me that long, long before you even heard about leaving West Point. I say that, I say that because what happened to me can happen to you as well. We have to understand an on-demand God does not exist. God doesn't exist for us. We exist for him. And God's heart is always loving. And his thoughts are always higher than our thoughts. 
My last and final point, my last and final point. God's presence, God's presence is always enough. God's presence is always enough. Let me make all of you a promise, whoever you may be, and in particular, let me make you a promise. Maybe, maybe you're not a Jesus follower yet. Maybe, maybe you are relatively new follower in following Jesus. But if you would go beyond what I'm gonna call complacent, Christian, complacent Christianity, in other words, you're complacent with this kind of thought. It's like, it's like you'll go to church once in a while. You'll go to church if you feel good. Or you will pick up a Bible and read it once in a while. Or when you feel good. But let me make you a promise. What if, what if, if you, if you would truly pursue the, the goodness of God, if you would truly pursue him, you will get to know God. You will get to really know God. If you really pursue him, you're gonna really know who God is. And you will get to know his character, his nature. You'll understand his love and his passion. You'll understand all that God is doing in your life is for a reason. It's an eternal reason why God would be doing these kinds of things inside of you and me. You will realize that I don't even have to worry about anything any longer. I don't have to worry, and, and I can trust in God. Why? Because my God is with me. You know that he's with me. You know that he's in the midst of this. You know he's with you. And I know that he will never leave me. And God will never forsake me because God is with me. I know that God is with me. And that's exactly what King David did. King David, the second king of Israel, David often would talk about God, the, the intimacy of trusting God, how amazing, how incredible it is to come to the place where you trust him, that you are experiencing that trust. David talks about that and uh, talks about that intimacy, especially when things didn't make sense for him. It's not in your notes, but in Psalm 71, verse five, David says these words. He says, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth, is what he says. Some may be thinking right now, well, that's King David. And of course, because he's king, he had everything handed to him on a golden platter, and absolutely not. This guy cried out to God five times more than any of us five people put together. He cried out to God all the time. He would say, God, why are you allowing this? Why am I always on the run? Why is it that I don't ever hear from you? Read the Psalms, you're gonna see it. You're gonna see one Psalm, he's exalting God and loving God. And the next song, Psalm, he is sitting back saying, God, why don't you? Where are you? How come? How come? David had more dark valleys than most of us will ever know in our lifetime. Yet David grew and he grew he grew and came to know God in wonderful ways. He began to understand the faithfulness of God. All of a sudden, things begin to happen and you realize, you realize, I know that I know that I'm to be the pastor of Word of Life Assembly of God. I know that. Not because you want me to. You may not want me to, but I'm gonna be here because you're gonna have to talk to him before I'm out of here. And that's how it is for you. The same thing for your life. No matter what you may be doing, it's God who is leading you and I in these things. David grew in his faith in God, so much so, he was the one who penned Psalm 23. And I read to you one verse, verse four. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. God's presence is always enough. For you are with me.
You and I don't have to be afraid of anything at all, not a single thing. I close with this. I want to retract something I said earlier in this message. I said that an, an, an on-demand God does not exist. But he does. The only time God is on-demand and will always respond with this on-demand is when you and you and you and you and you ask him for forgiveness. And you need it now. I need it now. I need to be forgiven. That's the whole reason why God sent his son into this world. The whole purpose of that is, is so that you and I would be forgiven of our sins. He's an on-demand God that would allow his only son to go into this world and hang on a cross for something he never did. For you and I. Jesus, who, has, who was the perfect in every way, never sinned, and he died on that cross. So that anyone, at any time, at any moment, no matter what you have done, you can call out to Jesus and you can say to him, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. And instantly he will give that to you. Would you stand with me to your feet, please? God is always on demand at that moment. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? You may be here today and you're dealing with doubt and struggles and I just want to challenge you with that thought today. What we talked about is the truth. God wants to take care of you in every single way possible. But it can only happen if you would allow him. You're not a robot. You're not programmed to do those kinds of things. You're a human being and you can say yes or you can say no to him. And if you say yes to him, I'm telling you, there's going to be rough roads, there's going to be challenges, but I'm telling you, you're going to get to the other side. You're going to get there. It's going to be okay. But it will never happen unless you do. So heads bowed and eyes closed. If it's your desire today, you really want to be on, in, in, in tune with God, would you just hold up your hand? Hold them up. Come on. All of us. I, I'm assuming Randy Shiz's hands up. I don't know about you. But let me pray for you. Father God, for all of these people right now whose hands are raised, because God, they want to be a people who are believing you, who are trusting in you. God, we know, we know that you have a plan for our lives. So I just pray that God, as we continue to move forward in our faith and trusting in you, God, and working through our doubts, that God, you're gonna get us to the other side. We give you our lives today. We give you our hearts in Jesus' name.